Welcome to another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast with your hosts, Mike Gore, James Casina, and Jocelyn Gotto. For more information, head over to opendoors.org.au or opendoors.org.nz. Here's today's episode. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Open Doors Live podcast. I'm one of your hosts, James Casina, and this month we're doing something a little bit different. For an Easter special, we have a two-part episode brought to you by our field team in Asia. Many of you might remember that this time last year, three churches across Sri Lanka were attacked as people gathered to celebrate Easter Sunday. Our team on the ground was able to respond immediately when these churches were attacked and were able to provide them with the emergency relief they so desperately needed. But in this episode, we get an inside look into what happened on that tragic day. But also, we hear about the faith of the believers in Sri Lanka and the way the church has risen up in their suffering. Before we get into this episode, we normally produce content that is family friendly. However, today I'd like to ask you to take a moment to consider who you might be listening to this episode with. It's very real and might be distressing for some listeners. However, it's hauntingly beautiful, a message of hope, and I pray that you enjoy part one today. Out of love, God gave his own son who gave his life for the world. With these words, the Easter service in my own church began in 2019. 8,360 kilometers away, the service in Zion Church started with a different sound. Be careful. This may shock you. These are the sounds of terror. Explosions, sirens, wailing, and then deafening silence. On Easter Sunday, April 21st, 2019, seven men carried out suicide attacks on the South Asian island of Sri Lanka, just off the coast of India. Their targets? Three hotels that were holding Easter breakfast and three churches that were celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Over 250 people died and over 800 were seriously injured. After the fires were extinguished, the smoke had vanished and the bodies had been counted, so many questions remained. How was this possible? Who did this? Where was God? And perhaps the most poignant question, where was the hope that Easter was supposed to bring? My name is Jan Vermeer and I'm an open doors field writer. And this is Return to Easter. My journey into the heart of violent persecution. How do you prepare for something like this? April 21st, 2019. It's just after 7 a.m. and I'm about to get up. I do what I always do. I check my phone for messages. There's a whole bunch of them. All of them are from my colleague Tala. 
Hi, Yan. Are you online? We have a situation in Sri Lanka. Just a little while ago, a bomb went off at the Science Church in Batikaloa. Our field worker texted me. He received the news through his brother-in-law, who's in Batikaloa at the moment. Now, we don't know who did it or why yet. It hasn't even been announced in the news yet. The Zion Church is one of the biggest churches in Batikaloa. Please, please pray for the church. I look at the photos she forwarded. The roof of the church is gone. People seem to be disoriented. There's blood on the floor. I just got the message that it was a generator that blew up. I look at the image again. How could a generator cause so much destruction? There's another news that just came in that there was a bomb blast in Cotagena. I'll verify this and update you. Two more bombs went off in two Catholic churches in Negambo too. I got dressed and went to work, coordinating with Tala and other team members in the region. Within a day, our trusted partner Sunil visited Batikaloa, swiftly followed by other team members from Southeast Asia. Months later, it was my turn. A small Cessna plane took me and my colleague Tala from the Sri Lankan capital Colomba to Batikaloa, a city on the east coast. Batikaloa is a city with a history. During Sri Lanka's civil war, there was a lot of fighting here, and the city was even the scene of a bloody massacre in 1990. In 2004, the city was struck by the tsunami that killed over 200,000 people in total in Asia. But the city only really became world news when a terrorist blew himself up in the yard of Zion Church. 31 people died, including 14 children. I had been praying for a chance to visit these brothers and sisters, so I could encourage them, and God had finally answered my prayer. After we landed in Batikaloa, I asked Tala to describe her first visit to the city, just weeks after the attack. It was still very um, tense, like the situation was still very tense. The airport was uh, full of um, army men. Uh, like it was uh, closed off, like the first part of it is closed off. You would have to walk uh, to another place where people don't usually walk um, to to uh, get a ride um, because there, yeah, there's so much like security um, checks going on. When we when we went to Batikaloa to visit the Zion Church members who were affected by the attack, the trip, the land trip, is supposed to be seven hours, uh, but it lasted us eleven hours because of all the security checkpoints that we had to pass through. So yeah, were you not afraid when you went to Batikaloa? Um, hmm, I wasn't afraid. I think. It was more of just really tense. Like, uh, I don't think people have been saying that there have been additional threats, uh, that more bombs could go off. And um, actually, well, when we were on our way to Batikaloa from Colombo, um, there was one bus terminal that we passed that was totally closed off and was not operational on that day because they said that there's a new bomb threat there. Um, so when we learned that, uh, our team was uh, uh, taken aback by that, I think. Um, but I... 
I wasn't really scared of what could happen. I I'm more sad of what already happened. If um, yeah, if that makes sense, I'm sad about what already happened. Yeah. Yeah. And when when you drove to Batikaloa and you arrived here in, in the city, uh, I mean, how do you prepare for something like that, spiritually especially? Mm. Um, well, I've been asking God to um, give me the right words to say, to prepare my heart for what I'm about to see, because it when I heard it uh, from our coworker on the day that it happened, I was at church and. It's not something that I ever expected that would come from a country like Sri Lanka. We don't hear of, of, of bomb attacks happening here. Um, so I was completely surprised that that happened that Easter Sunday. And I asked God for help as to how to respond to something like that. Because at that time I was so far away. And um, I felt that there was so much chaos going on inside the country and there's nothing that I could do at that time really but pray but when I got here I asked God for for his wisdom really and just for his leading as to how how to be able to support uh, the team that 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 we have here but most of all the people who have been affected by the bombings I asked God for his wisdom and his leading That was also my prayer for this trip. Because how do you prepare for something like this? We met up with Sunil and a small number of other team members. And then went to bed early. The next day, we were going to visit Zion's Sunday service. We didn't go to the bond building. Instead, we went to the large meeting room that the church was renting temporarily. The first thing I noticed was how light the security was compared to other churches I had been to in countries like Pakistan, Iraq and Nigeria. There were no metal detectors, there were no surrounding walls, there was no fortified gate and no armed guards. When we got to the main meeting hall, I could see how women sat on the left and men on the right. They were all sitting on the floor. And I was very thankful the pastor's wife had provided a chair for me and others who wanted one. I can sit on the floor for a while, but not for four hours. I looked around and pictured a man walking in with a backpack. And suddenly I felt incredibly vulnerable. Then I focused on the music. Could the church, which had lost 31 members in one single explosion, be so vibrant, so jubilant even? How could they say they were victorious after what they had been through? I will get to those questions later. But first we need to go back to what actually happened on that Easter Sunday. While we are having chat, I noticed a person was standing next to the office door. 
This is Assistant Pastor Kumaram, who was in charge that day because the senior pastor was in Europe. So I just uh, walk out and I met him and shake hand and said, "Why are you standing here?" Then he said, um, "No, I just want to watch what's going on." I said, "Okay." Then uh, I ask him, uh, uh, "Can you come inside so you can watch all the service?" And all he said, "No, I'm all right." Then I asked, "What's your name?" And he mentioned one of the Muslims' name called Umar. Then where you coming from? Then he said. Uh, and promote Maori, which is the south of Batiklo. Um, then yeah, I also noticed he was big sweat on his face and carrying a bag on the shoulder. Uh, he was looks like a man who is jogging in the street. So I thought maybe he's one of the travelers or something. Then second time I asked him to come inside, but uh, he refused to stay there. Then I notice my time is uh, coming because I'm going to go. Then I ask, do you have any prayer request to pray for you because you are here? Then he said, yes, my mother is not well. I want to pray for her legs. He said. Then then I ask him, okay, you bring her on uh, Wednesday because in when Wednesday we having a healing service. So um, then he said, okay, I will bring. Then I call Stanley and I told him, please take care about this brother. He's new. So um, he wanted to uh, see the service. So then I left the place. It was by Pastor Kumaram asked two elders to take care of the Muslim man. He got on his motorbike and left to go to a service in one of the satellite churches. A few minutes later, he received a phone call from a friend of his older son. My elder son's uh, friend called me and said, "Pastor, come back. The church is burning." Just only he said. Then within another five minutes, I entered the church. Then I saw everything's nasty. So I saw dead bodies. And um, when you arrived at the scene after the bombing, can you describe what, what did you see exactly? What did you smell? Oh uh, what yeah, did you feel? I saw um, a, a, a dark water is running on the on our on our lane uh, because uh, when the firefighters spray the water. It all brings uh, the, the the burned items and all, and uh, the water was very hot. And at the same time, I saw people carrying the bodies and they screaming, still and uh, they crying. And I saw the uh, blood all over the all over the places, and I saw um, uh, our librarians burning his body. Then our co-workers, Vanajas, sister Vanajas' body. Um, then. Uh, uh, two other bodies in the next to the van. I think it should be my uh, my son's body, but I didn't know at that time. He walked past his dead son, whose body was covered up, because everybody had been telling him his wife and children were fine. But after a couple of hours, he still hadn't seen his son. He wasn't in the hospital and he wasn't in the church. Then, nine hours after the attack, he received a phone call from the place he feared, the mortuary. His 12-year-old son was there. Yeah. Were you were you in panic that day when you heard oh, he was not doing well? Then uh, after that, um, I stayed in the hospital. Also, I admitted I was admitted to hospital because uh, uh, my body body was weak. I, that day I was fasting and was tired, and they uh, put some saline to me also. So I was admitted to hospital that night. Then uh, uh, very early morning at 4:30. 
he came back uh, to home with uh, my son's uh, remains. So and then you had to do the funeral the same day? Um, yeah, that was uh, uh, early in that morning, uh, the next day. Um, you mean on yeah, Tuesday? At, um, that was on Monday. 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 So you came back home Monday morning? Yeah, Monday morning at 4.30. Day. Then I kept the uh, Malki with us for, you know, I think, uh, about uh, six hours somewhere. Then at 10 o'clock, we took him to the Berry because... Uh, Everyone, everyone is looking for me on that day uh, because um, I'm a pastor. I want to go to other people also. Uh, not only that, um, uh, if I didn't uh, bury my son first, they will be delighted. So I took his body to the cemetery that day. Had Pastor Kumaran remained at the church to talk to the suicide bomber, he would have died with his son. Another person who barely escaped death was Michelle, the wife of the senior pastor of the church. When I met her, she walked me to the narrow alley that leads to the bomb church. While we were there, construction workers who had been hired by the army were working on the destroyed building. As we walked to the church, Michelle explained to me what she went through that day. And I saw the, uh, this person standing with a backpack and with a cap on. And uh, he was having uh, a pouch around his waist and with his phone. Uh, so I asked him his name. He said he was Omar. I asked him from where he's coming. And he said that he's from Otamawadi. And I invited him into church. But uh, he said the word sound in Tamil. So I was wondering why he said sound. So I thought that maybe it was our sound is too loud. Maybe that was the reason. And I said, okay. And again, I invited him in. I said, that's okay. You come into church. Then he said that he was having, uh, he was getting a call. So I said, okay, you you answer your phone call and you come and sit right at the back of the church. Uh, he said, okay, and then I went into the house. Uh, to your own house, which yes, is nearby? Yes, it's just uh, next door. So I uh, went into the house and our daughter also went in with me because she was standing a few feet away. Uh, and she sat on in the, uh, uh, in the hall and uh, I went into the kitchen. After I went into the kitchen, uh, service started. Service starts sharp at nine. So nine o'clock service had started. I came back into the hall again because as she sings in the choir, I said, uh, it's nine and service has started and you have to be, you know, on the stage. Uh, so she said, Mama, can you bring me some water? So I went back into the kitchen. After going into the kitchen, uh, just I just went in and uh, the blast. With the blast itself, the ceiling fell down on my head and all over. So, uh, so did you lose consciousness? Or? No, no, thank God. I just held on to the table uh, and I came running out to see what the sound was. But uh, the entrance of our home was on fire and our bedroom was burning 
and uh, we have a huge six foot uh, fish tank so that had broken and all the fish and all that was on the ground you know right in the we have a small like a uh, small area there uh, and uh, I just grabbed Steffi our daughter and uh, how old is she? Uh, our daughter is 27 yes so I just grabbed her and she was with her friend uh, grabbed her and I took my bag and my phone and I ran to the kitchen again because our kitchen see it leads on to the church stage and uh, I went in there I didn't know what you know what really happened because all the people were screaming and so much blood all over and you know people there was one lady you know she was just holding her face like this but you know she had her eye it was just bleeding fully bleeding but today she has lost an eye so that's really sad Michelle called the fire brigade and began to help the wounded Neighbors came running to help the evangelical Christians. Roman Catholics, Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, everyone came. All of them came in. What, what was the most difficult thing about that first day? To see the, the bodies being carried out on the stretcher. Uh, that was really sad. That was really sad because even the girl, uh, that lady Berlini, who's in charge of the bookshop, like that is our, I don't know, to me, it's really, it's really trying, you know, to, uh, to see her because she was only affected on her head. I saw her going out on this road itself, you know, being taken out on the stretcher. Her body, her sari, it was intact, you know. So just to see that, that really... It yet brings, you know, tears to my eyes because she was such a lovely lady. And the uh, only thing, like, she was ready to meet her maker. She was all the time ready to uh, meet her How maker. do you know? Because, like, she's daily with us in church here. She works in the bookshop. She comes at 8. Sometimes she goes home 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock in the night. Very devoted. Yes, very de devoted. And one thing I can tell you of this lady is that she feared God. She really feared God and she wanted to live a life. She used to always say that, you know, that I will die a martyr's death. She used to keep on saying that, you know. But... Uh, to really come to terms with, yes, that's the way that she has gone. That's the way she wanted to go. And, uh, but she's left her children behind. Uh, it's difficult because the little girl has, uh, she, uh, she has lost her eyesight on both her eyes. So that's trying. But uh, the little girl is very strong, I will say. She's very strong. I think she has the mother's uh, inbuilt <laughs> determination. Yeah, determination yeah. Yes. So that's what I see in her. So, uh, yeah, that's a great thing. Yeah. yeah. So there can be beauty in the darkness? Oh, yes, yes. Have you seen any other examples of beauty in the darkness? Oh, yeah. There are other children, children who... Uh, uh, one little uh, family, they lost her li their little daughter and uh, they were very close. But now the wife is pregnant again. 
so that's joy you know that's joy that yeah god is blessing them with another child so that those are you know really good things but more than anything is like all these 83 families have not let off the hand of jesus that is the you know main thing I and think some of you come closer maybe yes yes I've heard of the testimonies mm, from yesterday mm. but that's an encouragement to us that they know their god so yeah I can tell you one thing, Michelle said confidently in the place where everyone's favorite Sunday school teacher died. Verlini was ready to meet her maker. She wasn't the only one, Michelle's husband, Pastor Roshan, told me. Since January 2019, he felt driven by the Holy Spirit to speak about martyrdom. He knew something was going to happen. Uh, when Paul says, one sermon I took was, only the Lord stood with me. So I've been saying there will be times where no one can come and help us. Only the Lord can help us. Uh, and then, really, then I have been speaking on the 24th of February, which is very significant. I spoke on the subject on a death of a righteous man. So at the end of the service, I saw this kind of a vision. In, I saw it in the spirit, then a vision. I saw it in the spirit. In the spirit what I saw was a catastrophic accident Big accident, that's the word I used And uh, I, I said I can even pinpoint The family directly going to get affected In this accident I, I said I can see death And I encouraged our people not to have any traveling To be careful I said I can see this vehicle you know After saying that Uh, suddenly I see fire Fire, I mean great fire In Sri Lanka when there's a motor accident There's never a fire But here I see, I saw fire So I just began to tell the people I see big fire And then say this church is going to get affected This whole church is going to get affected So we continued our service another half an hour In prayer This was on the 24th of February. Thereafter, I have been speaking on the subject on not to be conformed into the suffering of Christ. Knowing the suffering of Christ is not enough. But we need to be conformed. We need to suffer. So Hebrews 11 uh, from verses 38, 35b to 38, where it says they choose to suffer. They choose to die. They choose to be present. They choose to live in mountains. They choose to lose, live, lose their clothes, you know. Uh, so it's a choice to die as martyr. Then I began to say, because when I came into ministry, the commitment I made was to die as a martyr. So these things kept on coming. I've been speaking about martyrdom from January. So this thread was going through the church ministry. And uh, you, you, it was there. It was always there. So that's what, on the day of the bombing also, in the Sunday school, they were speaking about who is ready to die as a martyr. 20 minutes before the bombing. 
20 minutes who is ready to die as a martyr and all the children raise their hands and they light a candle and we will like a candle we will melt we will give light to the world and we will melt our lives does it feel like the victims were random or does it feel like God chose those people to die for him I very 100% confidently I would say all those who died were picked and chosen by God small children and big children there were a few children who said before coming home that um, Amma he said mother what will you do if I die today and that son dies after the Sunday school he asked this question 20 minutes before the Sunday school there was another child who died he draws a picture of a church and an ambulance what is the connection between a church and an ambulance he, he drew that picture then uh, uh, one of my full time workers she was a Sunday school teacher also he was in she was in charge of the library uh, the whole day she is with us she died her husband died Debbie's mother Debbie's mother was preaching that day Verlini yeah uh, Verlini mm-hmm. are you ready to go to heaven today she is saying raise your hands who is ready the last bible study I had before I left I had bible studies on Fridays the last bible study I had I was speaking about heaven and I said and this question I ask who is ready to go to heaven so I saw everyone raised hands one son boy didn't son young boy didn't raise then I picked him and said why you didn't raise are you not ready what happens if you face death now then he said no uh, uncle I raised first by the time you looked there and came I put my hand down he died he also died they were all burnt beyond recognition really so everybody has a story one of my leaders uh, she was giving tracks and we used to give a CD my healing service worship CD and with a small message gospel message every month we give for all our believers and thereafter to all new people who come free and um, just before the blast about 10 minutes before the blast she's telling the son uh, smiling her name is Vanaja she's smiling she says son if I die I die as a martyr and she dies in 10 minutes and the son was inside the church in the mixer but why would God choose those people I mean especially the children why would God choose the children to die for him as a martyr I don't know these questions can only can be answered in the Lord and these things are hidden from us you never have an answer for these kinds of questions because things revealed is for us things not revealed is for the Lord so it's better not uh, we try to give our version of uh, which is not in the Bible but, but it doesn't make you doubt your faith or, your, or it doesn't Definitely make you doubt not. God or God's love or no you come to Hebrews chapter 11 first portion of it victory powerful victories they even raised those who did and uh, miracles victories victory after victory 
all in the name of Jesus. Then you come down to verse 35, up to 38. Here, another Guru Prasad, they choose to die, martyrdom, prison, lose their wealth, lose their houses. They, run, they have to run and hide in mountains, no clothes to wear. So God chooses. God picked and chose whom? As because we always sing, if I live, I live for the Lord. If I die, I die for the Lord. This is what I have been preaching all these 36 years. I'm not, I'm not scared to die. Thanks again for listening to episode one of our Easter special. You might have been moved by some of the stories you've heard and I wanted to let you know there is something you can do. This Easter we're encouraging people to stand with the persecuted church in our One With Them campaign. We're asking people to simply draw a cross on their wrist, share it on social media and give $100 to strengthen the persecuted church. If that's something you've got the capacity to do right now, you can head to onewiththem.org today. And also, don't forget to share a picture of the cross on your wrist on social media with the hashtag OneWithThem. That's all from us today. We'll catch you on Sunday for part two.